You could have a seat. Um, there, there was nothing in sight. No lights. No, no town. Nothing. Hadn't seen a car in, in miles. This is kind of the, what you would expect driving in western Kansas on a, later on a Sunday night. But it had been been miles and miles since the last town, and I was starting to get really nervous because there, for the past over 60 miles on my dashboard, was this orange light saying low fuel. It had been a long time. I'm driving on fumes, and I'm just like wondering, man, am I going to make it? This would be a terrible time, a terrible place to get stranded. And... I'm driving up this hill, wondering, am I even going to reach it to the top, or is this going to start to... I get to the top of the hill, and on my way down, I could see it just a few miles in the distance. There's the interstate. There we go. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. Get a little bit closer, and then I see the sign that I'd been waiting to see in neon lights, gas. Yes, I had made it. And in our lives, signs are a big deal, right? We all, we all like signs. Signs tell us what something is. This, is. this is a gas station. This is that. This is this. They, they show us what, what things are. They'll even show us what will be, what's to come. There in, uh, even in our state, the western part of our state, is Chimney Rock. You know, reaching up really, really, it's actually not really reaching that high. It's pretty unimpressive. But if you've seen Chimney Rock, you're like, why is this on the quarter? Um, but, you know, Chimney Rock back in the day was, was a sign to people on the Oregon Trail, we're heading the right direction. We, we know that we're heading where we need to go. Signs tell you which gate your flight is at. They tell you, I'm sure a bunch of you saw a sign, or probably actually didn't see a sign on your way here telling you the speed limit. Right? And these signs are, are proofs of, of what something is or even what will happen. I mean, think, think in your job. You like seeing a sign or a proof that you're doing a good job. You like seeing proofs or signs that, that your kids are heading down the right uh, path, that they're going to be making good decisions. If you're in a relationship, you look for, for signs to tell you, yeah, this is, this is going well. Signs can also point us to danger. Tell us that something's hot, that something's dangerous. We, we like signs. And, and here's why we like signs. Because we like clarity. We like things to be clear. We like things, uh, we like certainty. And that's how we like everything in our life, right? Very plain, not too many hiccups or anything like that. And, and we want this not only with our job or with relationships, but we also really want this with Jesus, don't we? We want these signs, these clarity from, from God, okay, this is who you are, and this is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen. We like things, we like these proofs or these signs from Him. But here's the question. Is that really what you need most? In your relationship with God, is that what you need most, or, or signs or proofs? Or is, it, is there actually something bigger that you need to really know who Jesus is, to really see Him clearly? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you've got a Bible, open up to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew's in the New Testament, so it'll go Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, so yeah. Um, Matthew verse 1. 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees approached and tested Jesus. They tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is actually, the, they're, they're, they're religious leaders of the time. This is the first time they kind of team up together. Uh, the Pharisees, if you've been following along in Matthew, you probably are familiar with them. They're, uh, they're kind of like the conservative, uh, kind of legalistic group. Uh, religious group, they, they added to the law of God, and, and they were very, about it, uh, following it very strictly. And so then they added more, more laws, more rules, traditions to the law to even make it more, uh, making sure that they were really doing it really right. And, um, and so uh, then there was the Sadducees, and we haven't seen the Sadducees very much. They're kind of more of the liberal religious group. Uh, they took away from God's law. Uh, they didn't really think that they needed to follow it that closely. Uh, but the Sadducees are more in a place of power and prestige politically and in the temple. And so these two groups are usually not actually very friendly with one another. They don't like each other, uh, but now they have this, this common opponent, common enemy in Jesus, and so they're, they're teaming up. And Jesus, in chapter 15, Jesus is over in Gentile land. He's in this different area. And as soon as he, ba- he basically like steps foot back into the territory of the Jews, and then bam, they're right there. They're ready to pounce. You can't get rid of these, uh, these religious leaders. They're like cockroaches. They are just ready there to get him to disprove Jesus. And so they are, they're asking Jesus, kind of demanding a, a sign from Jesus. And if you look there, that word there, it says they, and they tested him. That word test is the same word that is used in Matthew 4 when Satan tempts or tests Jesus. So Satan, when he tests Jesus, he's not looking to worship Jesus. He's not looking to build his faith in Jesus or anything like that. He's there to test Jesus, to have Jesus sin, to, to have him slip up. And, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're there to test him, to get Jesus uh, to, to slip up. They're, they're, they're there to actually test him to help them with their lack of faith or their unbelief. And so the first, first point we see here is the de- their demand and the denial they made. The demand and the denial they made. They're demanding something from Jesus. Jesus, you, you kind of need to, they're trying to control him. You work for us. And they're like, give us a sign. Show us who you are. Now, this is a little bit different. You might be wondering, well, wait a minute, is, is a sign bad? Sometimes we can maybe want signs from God. Earlier in, in Matthew, there's John the Baptist. He's, a, he's kind of a forerunner to Jesus, pointing the, uh, preparing the way for, for Jesus. And John the Baptist is in jail, and he, he's wrestling with his belief in Jesus. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and say, can you just go ask Jesus, is he really the one? Or, or should we expect something else? Like, kind of give me something. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting Jesus. And so Jesus, he, he tells John's disciples, we'll go tell him what you see in here. And they, they go back to John and tell him, actually, basically some of the, the things that he already knew. And that seems to work for John. Because John was asking kind of for, for a confirmation or a sign to help him with his belief. To help deepen his belief because he's wrestling with it. Here... The, the religious leaders, they're asking for a sign to actually deepen their denial. Right? They're not looking, they're not wanting to believe. Even if Jesus performs something great in their midst, it's not going to matter. 
They're, they're not going to believe. Warren Wiersbe said this, Miracles will give confirmation where there is faith, but not where there is unwillful belief. And so they're coming to him with this demand. They're, they're, they're denying Christ. Uh, verse 2, Jesus replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the, of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. And so Jesus is saying, you know how to read the weather. You could go outside and you could tell by if it's the red sky is in, in the morning or evening, if it, the weather is going to be good or bad. You, you've ha- you're untrained weathermen, but you make better weathermen than you do theologians, which is kind of weird because this is who they are. They are theologians. That's what the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees were. Their, their lives were dedicated or kind of at least supposed to be dedicated to knowing God, to knowing who he is, to knowing the scriptures, to being able to, they've been awaiting the Messiah, the savior of the world, but they can't read what's right in front of them. I mean, think think about it. Jesus had actually been performing miracles already. He's already given them signs. That's why they're there meeting with Jesus in the first place. Jesus had healed people. He had healed healed lepers. He had healed the crippled, the blind. Raised someone from the dead. He had, on two occasions, multiplied bread to feed thousands. The crowds kind of recognized this. And and they're going to Jesus. They're bringing their, their, their lame, their mute, the... The cripple to Jesus. There's all these signs. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Again, that's, that was already talked about. That was predicted about in the Old Testament. In Matthew 2, we've already seen these astrologers, these wise men from the east. They came. They saw the sign, right? We've seen his star. They're able to recognize it. They're able to see some things. A Gentile Roman centurion, who's in charge of all, all of this, these soldiers, the military, he sees the signs. He sees Jesus. Even the, the, the storm or, and the sea recognize Jesus in Matthew 8. There's, there's all kinds of these signs. They're in abundance. But these religious leaders couldn't do their job. Right? This is their job to see the signs. It's their job to know what the scriptures say and to await them as signs. So, so these Religious leaders, they, you can read the weather. You have information, worldly information. You have a lot of information, but you lack wisdom. I mean, think about this. Jesus is standing right in front of them. God in flesh. God the Son, who spoke everything into existence is literally standing right in front of them. And they can't see it. I mean, how tragic would that be? He's right in front of you and you don't, can't even recognize it. I mean, do, do we do the same thing? May, may we not do the same thing? I mean, today we have access to more information than ever. But have we really gained much wisdom with it? We, we have more information about creation and about, about plants and animals and all these things, but have we, with all of that knowledge, have we missed its creator? We know more about the, the body. 
how, how it's all put together, how it works, how it's all knit together. But have we missed God, the one who's created us in his image? We can know lots of, we can have lots of information about sports, about our jobs, about all kinds. So what's on social media, what's going on in the news, what's going on in politics, all of these things. But many times with all this information, do we miss what is most important? And just being able to recognize Jesus. Truly see Jesus for who he is. I mean, how crazy would it be if you were as proficient in knowing whatever it is that you're really proficient in? Maybe it's sports, maybe it's your job, making money. What if you were just as proficient in knowing God through his word? Do you you desire to be successful far more than you desire to just know Jesus and recognize him for who he is? Do you you pray way more for for all of these things to work out in your life? Even just a fraction as much as God help me to see you for who you are. Parents, what do you pray for your kids? What do you really hope and desire for your kids? Do you, are you just hoping and desiring that they're really good at sports? That they make really good grades? That, that their lives just kind of turn out nice? Or that they just have the wisdom to see Jesus and to trust in Him? Or for the people around you? Maybe it's, maybe it's your neighborhood, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors. Are you just praying for them to for their life to be okay, for them not to be sick, or for them to see Jesus, God. And so Jesus is pointing this out to them, saying, you have all this information about the weather, but you can't see me. And so then then he he takes it farther in verse 4, because he knows their desires. He knows why they're asking for a sign that it's not just, they don't want to deepen their faith, they want to deepen their denial. So verse 4, he says, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. This, This... Word here, adulterous nation. This is kind of pointing back to a lot of things in the Old Testament where Jesus talks to Israel and saying, you're, you're an adulterous generation. You're, you're, you're committing spiritual adultery. You're supposed to have this covenant relationship with God, faithful to one another. God is always faithful to you, but you continue to turn away from God to idols, to other things. And instead of pursuing Jesus, pursuing God and building this relationship with Him, you're pursuing your own stuff or, or the gods of other nations. And so God is saying that like it would be adultery in a relationship or in a marriage, that's what it, you're, you're committing spiritual adultery with me. And Jesus is saying that's what, that's what you're doing. Because the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're not coming to Jesus for Jesus. So that, so that they can know him. They're coming there for themselves. They, they want something else other than God. And so they're this wicked and, and adulterous nation. And Jesus says, you demand this sign. I'm not going to give you one. Okay, I'll give you one. I'll give you this sign. And he says, the sign of Jonah. Now, he doesn't really unpack that here, but earlier in Matthew, in uh, Matthew 12, if you want to write here, just like a little note, Matthew 12, uh, I think it's verse 28. 
where they also ask Jesus for a sign, and Jesus tells them the same thing. The only sign I'll give you is the sign of Jonah. And uh, where he, he explains it there, and he says, just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the, heart, or will the Son of Man, talking about himself, will spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so Jesus is speaking about his, his death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. They're demanding a sign, even though all these signs are around them. And Jesus says, you won't get any, but uh, well, okay, I'll give you one more. The ultimate sign, my death, you know, Jesus' death, he's going to die. He's going to pay the price for sin, be crucified, be the ultimate sacrifice that all of the Old Testament had been pointing to, and I will raise again from the dead. Now, if somebody said, like predicted, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise from the dead, and then they do that, I think I would be like, that's a pretty good sign. That's pretty good. You're hired. You know, like, it's, that's good. But even after the resurrection, did they believe? No. Right? They just continue to deny Jesus. Even they talked to the, to the Roman guard that's guarding the tomb. What happened? Well, this is what happened. No, no, no. We'll just make up a story. They continue to deny. And so this can be easy for us to read this and just kind of gloss over. But think about it. The Pharisees and Sadducees, these are like the people that are going to church. These are the people sitting in the pews. These are the people that went to, went to church with, with their parents their whole life. And yet they, they can't see Jesus. They can't believe because they would not believe. Why is that? I think, I think them coming to Jesus demanding for a sign, or even sometimes when we come to Jesus demanding a sign, I think that can tell us actually far more about ourselves than it does Jesus. Because they, they come to Jesus thinking, there's something that you lack, Jesus. There's something you need. But what they don't think is what they need. They wanted a sign, but they failed to realize they needed a Savior. They didn't see that they actually needed... It wasn't Jesus who needed something. They needed something. They needed Jesus. I mean, think the Pharisees, they added to God's law. Add, add, add. And then, that, now, then they just become this self-righteous group. Of people. If we are good people, if we follow the rules good enough, then we're good with God. And I've been doing it, so I'm really good with God, and so I'm fine. I don't really need a Savior. I don't really need Jesus. The Sadducees, they took away from God's law. Well, hey, if I'm just doing what I want to do, God's probably fine with that. It doesn't really, doesn't really care what I do. I just want to live for myself, and sin's kind of relative, whatever. It's no big deal. And so then... They don't think that they need a Savior either as long as they're not doing really, really bad things. And both, both of these approaches to God miss God. Proof isn't going to solve anything for them. Why? Because they don't see their need for a Savior. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? That those, blessed are those who see their spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed are those who see their absolute need for God. Blessed are those who mourn their sin that know that they, they can't save themselves. Well, I mean, when, when I was 
driving in Kansas, and I see the sign for the gas station, and I'm, I'm, my tank is basically totally empty. I didn't pull up to the gas station, see the sign, and say, hey, you got more signs? I just want to make sure. So make sure you're really a gas station. Give me, give me some more proof here. Right? You're like, that's, that's silly, Ricky. Right? Because I don't need a sign. I need gas. If you're out in the middle of the ocean, stranded, and a boat pulls up to you and says, hey, we're here to help, you don't say, huh, prove it. Right? If you're dying of thirst, you don't, you don't ask for a sign from water to show that it's wet. You just start chugging. You're you're so thirsty. You're so in need. You're so stranded. You're just crying out for help. Help. I mean, if you don't see your desperate need for a Savior, for Jesus, a sign or a proof isn't really going to help you. Do you see just how really truly desperate you are? How much you just need Christ. You need His his grace, His power, His salvation, His love. That you really are just broken, sinful, insecure. That you constantly are going to the things of this world and none of them ever actually make good on any of the promises that they make. I mean, don't you see it, man? Oh, can people think this about me? Can I be this successful? All these things. And you get it, and what? It doesn't really change anything. Do you see your desperate need for Jesus? And I'm even saying, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. Do you st- As you grow and mature in your relationship with Christ, you don't think that you need Jesus less. You actually just grow and see that you need him more and more than you ever thought. So they're, they're demanding something from Jesus, but they're going to deny him either way. And then in verse 4, it says, Then Jesus left them and went away. This is this part in Matthew where you see kind of this definitive break between Jesus and the, and the religious leaders. Not really, you don't really see him again until it leads up to his crucifixion. And so Jesus is like, man, you're, you're going to deny me no matter what. And so it's like he kind of almost abandons them. Just kind of leaves them uh, uh, on his own. And so, so we see this, their demand and the denial. Next thing that we see is they, we see the danger that they were. The danger they were. Verse 5. The disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, We didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? Or how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected after that? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it wasn't about bread. Then they understood he had not told them to, or he had, 
Yep, that he had not told them to be aware of the leaven in bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This part cracks me up. Because they're, they're, they're leaving and the disciples are like, oh gosh, we didn't, think any, we didn't bring any bread. And so then anything that Jesus says next is going to kind of get filtered through that lens of what they're already thinking about. Oh, we don't have any bread. Beware of the leaven. He doesn't even say bread. Leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, no. Is he thinking that we don't have any bread? That we didn't bring it? And then Jesus, I think verse 8 is maybe like this eye roll moment for Jesus or face palm. It's like, come on, guys. Seriously, connect the dots. I mean, and think Jesus is saying, do you not remember when I multiplied the bread to feed thousands of people two times? Do you think I'm really concerned if we don't have enough bread? I can just make it. I can multiply it. I'm God, right? This just happened. But they're still worried about it. Oh gosh, we don't have any bread. And then he's like, I wasn't talking about bread. I was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in verse 12. Oh, then the disciples, oh yeah, that's what you said. You didn't say, I don't know why they're going to become more like Brooklyn. You didn't say anything about about the the bread. You said the leaven of the Pharisees. It just cracks me up. I mean, it's, it's like if I told my kids something and they just totally get it. Hey, you need to go clean your room. Okay. 15 minutes later. Hey, did you clean your room? Uh, no, I had a snack. You, you told me to have a snack. Wait, what, what? But I had the snack in my room. <laughs> Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Just like, what is happening? But, but it is an encouragement that, that the Pharisees, you know, the, the disciples here, we could give them a hard time, but because uh, over and over again, they just to not seem to really get it. Um, but it but it gives me some comfort because lots of times we don't seem to really get it, and I don't seem to get it. But yet God is patient with us and uses us. So um, here in verse uh, in verse uh, six, where Jesus says, "Beware of the leaven." That's probably something we're not super familiar with. But leaven is associated with with sin, with evil, with corruption. And so Jesus, the, the leaven that he's warning them about, about is the leaven, which is the teaching in the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's saying, hey, that, that's evil. It's corrupt. Be careful of that. Because what, what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are teaching, namely their skepticism and denial about who Jesus is, Jesus is saying, beware of that. That's the leaven that you need to have kind of know about. And we see this later in 1 Corinthians 5. Um, where Paul says a little leaven will spoil the whole batch of dough. And so leaven, it's pervasive. You, it just, it, you just get a little bit and it changes everything, right? You, you have a lump of dough, you get just a little leaven. And eventually, gradually, subtly, the whole dough, the whole dough. Yeah, I said dough weird. And Alex makes his weird sound. What a weirdo. <laughs> The, 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 whole, the whole batch of dough is changed, right? Just from a little bit. Kind of silently, passively. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, that's, that's what can happen. This, this leaven, this teaching, these, this thinking about Jesus and about God, that can just gradually and subtly get in you and change everything. I mean, even think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees themselves. The Pharisees, it probably started with, we really want to follow God. So let's just make, let's just kind of add just a little bit to God's law, just to really make sure we don't mess up. And then it became, we'll just add one law, 
And we'll, and then we'll just add another one. And we'll just add another one. And we'll add another one. And if, you know, it just starts with a little bit, but eventually it just keeps growing. And then eventually it becomes, well, it's actually more important to follow our tradition, the things that we've added to the law, rather than what God said in the first place. And then eventually it becomes, well, if you follow it really good enough, then you're, really, you're doing really good. And then God, God accepts you. Then you're good with God. And then eventually we get to the place where we see here in, in Matthew is you have a self-righteous group of people that don't see their need for Jesus. For the Sadducees, it probably starts with a little bit of just this question, did God really say that? Is that, is that what the Word of God really means? I think it kind of means this. I think it kind of means that. I think it probably God just wants me to be happy. I, pro- I think that God just wants what is best for me and how I think it's best for me. And they just keep taking away from God's law, taking away from God's law. And it just gradually builds, gradually builds. And then what do we have here? A group of people that are entirely about their own pleasure, their own prestige, and don't see their need for God. Don't see Jesus. And Jesus is saying, man, beware of that. Little leaven. The, the, these religious leaders, they could be active in their unbelief, but he's warning the disciples, you could be passive. You might not even see it happening. And the weird thing is you actually do see it happening later in this chapter. Verse 21, Jesus says, or later on, Jesus says, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to die and I'm going to raise from the dead. And then Peter pulls Jesus aside. Hey, God, son, come over here. Uh-uh. That's not going to happen. I don't know what you're thinking, Jesus, but that's not, that's not what's going to happen. My plan is way better. You can't do that. Never. I mean, I mean, think about this. Peter is correcting God. I mean, I've, I've just, I mean that, that's a big thing. Right? He, that's what he's trying to do. I'm going to correct the Messiah. Because what is, what is happening in Peter? A little bit of leaven. Jesus, I know that your word in Isaiah 53 has already revealed that the, there's going to be a suffering servant. That, that on our iniquities will be put on him. Right? Like, if, if Peter would have just be reading his Bible, he would have already seen it. But Peter's like, no, Jesus, you need to fit in my box. I get to kind of say who you are, not you. A little bit of leaven. Beware. And we all tend to drift. We all can have, and see the thing with leaven is it's not just out there. It could get in us. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. 2 Timothy 4 says this, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and they will turn away to he- aside to myths. And Jesus is saying, heads up, incoming. I mean, if you, if you went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, we did a scan and we found just a little bit of cancer in your lungs. No problem. You'd be like, all right, thanks, doc. Right? You're not doing that. Because you, because you would know. You'd be like, wait, 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 wait. It's just a little bit of cancer? 
We have to do something because that little bit of cancer is going to spread. It's harmful. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Be mentally alert. Because there's all these things that are going to pull you away from really who Jesus is. And what the word of God teaches us about him. Is there any leaven in your life? The teaching that maybe you're listening to, you maybe, you don't, maybe, I mean, again, it's very subtle. Something in you that's just kind of pulling you away from really who Jesus is. Maybe like the Pharisees, you're kind of thinking, sure, Jesus died, but it's also, I need to be a good person. That's how I'm saved. I mean, here, here, here's a way. The times when you feel the most freedom to go to God is because you've been obedient lately or you haven't messed up. Then you think God is excited to see you. It's a little bit of leaven. Right? Hebrews makes it very clear. Because of what Jesus has done, we can go to the throne boldly, confidently, not because of us, but because of Christ. Is there a little bit of leaven that you're thinking your identity is in something else, in your good works or in something out there? Maybe like the Pharisees, a little bit of leaven, you think following Jesus is optional. Well, I can do this, I can do that. Jesus just, you know, God just wants me to be happy. Is it self-righteous that you struggle with or self-indulgent? I mean... Is there any leaven in your mind, in your life? Because your life will reflect what you really believe. I like what uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung says. He says, when doctrine, that's like what you believe about Jesus, when doctrine goes bad, our lives will follow. Does your life indicate that there's a little bit of leaven in, in your life? I mean, at the end of the chapter, after Peter declares, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. It's better for you to give up, to lose your life for, my sake, for Jesus' sake, than to gain it for yours. Is, is your life even marked by thinking that, man, Jesus is Lord and he is worthy of my life, worthy of my sacrifice, worthy of me denying myself to follow and obey? Again, these, these are the leaders that these religious leaders, they're the ones to get it. They were the ones that should have seen that Jesus was the Messiah, but leaven got in. And they miss him entirely. They, they went from, from demanding something of Jesus and denying him to being actually a danger. And the last thing I want us to see is, think of the display that should be or the display that could have been. I mean, these were the religious leaders that a lot of people were looking to for guidance to help point them to who God was. Think that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they could have repented. They could have trusted in Jesus. They could have seen their need for their Savior. 
known of Jesus' love, been saved, been transformed. They could have been a a sign or a display to others of who Christ was. But that didn't happen at all. The disciples, fishermen, tax collector, they became a display of who Jesus was. They became a sign pointing to Jesus. A display of the gospel that, that we are really just saved by grace. That they became a display of how worthy Jesus is. All of them suffered. Most of them were, were killed for their faith. Paul, he was, he was a Pharisee. And after he trusted in Christ, he was a display of who Christ was. To show that Jesus forgives the worst kind of sinners. That Jesus changes lives. Your life will be a display of something. Your your life is a sign pointing to something. Does your your life point in a way that, that shows of the goodness of God? Is your life a display of Jesus? I've, I've seen Jesus on display in this church. I've, I've seen people display Jesus to, to me, to one another, and it's been so cool to see it. People loving one another. People being generous to one another. People having compassion to one another. People being willing to sacrifice. I, I've been, me and my family have personally been loved and blessed so much by you. You've pointed me to Christ. I've seen people repenting of sin. And like, I don't want that. It's empty and turning to Christ. Your life is a display. It's a sign pointing to something. I mean, just just like that sign in Kansas. I didn't need the sign, but the sign was pointing to me to what I needed. Your life today, this time tomorrow can be Pointing not to just being a sign to, to that, but pointing to a sign to what people need most, and that's Jesus Christ. What is your life pointing to? The good news in, in, in this passage is that Jesus is revealing himself. Right? They're, they're coming, they're asking for a sign, demanding a sign, but the good news is that God has revealed himself through Christ. Right? He has shown up. We're here 2,000 years later because God has revealed himself through Jesus, hearing about who Jesus is, hearing about his, how he was crucified, how he paid the price in our place, paid the penalty for our sin. We've, we're hearing about how Jesus rose again from the dead, that he gives us new life in him, that really death has no grip on him. That we can be for, forgiven by His mercy, saved by His grace. That we're loved more than we can possibly ever imagine. God has revealed Himself through His Word, through Christ, through one another, showing us who He is so that we might see Him. So that we might know Him. That He's greater than anything else. Jesus has given us lots of signs. But he's given us far more than a sign. He's given us himself, a savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for just how good you are. Um, Lord, I pray that you would um, 
Help us to just be, to just hear from you. Lord, to just think, Lord, is there, is there any place in our life, Lord, maybe it's just a little leaven's gotten in where our perspective of who you are uh, doesn't really match up with your word. Or that, that either we're becoming self-righteous or self-indulgent. Lord, that, that you're just kind of an option to consider rather than a Lord to follow. Lord, I pray that you'd help us just become aware of that. And Lord, I pray that this as we go, Lord, that we continue to just deepen our faith in you. Lord, because you are our God, you're our Savior and our Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.